0: If you got your Bibles, I'm excited about the Word of God this morning. I love the Word of God, and uh, just uh, if you got your Bibles, be turning to Ezekiel. Let me go to the Lord in prayer. We'll get started with the Word of God again. It's good to have everybody here this morning. All of our visitors and uh, all of the, our regular folks, and pray for those who are traveling or who can't be here for various reasons today. Just pray for them. And uh, we just pray that they're able to watch online and, uh, and be a part of us there. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want to talk to you this morning about uh, something I believe the Lord has put on my heart, uh, the Ezekiel Temple, the Ezekiel Temple and return of the presence of the Lord. And so, Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for this day. We thank you for the way people, God, came into this place and God just... Uh, Uh, worshiped You this morning, God. Thank You for the beautiful voices and the beautiful singing, God. And Lord, uh, songs that we could just all come together and join in and sing together, God, and be one chorus lifted up to You, God. And Lord, we just thank You for that, God. We want to minister unto You, God. You want a last-day church, God, and a people, God, that don't just serve others, but they serve and minister You. And God, I believe there's something missing, God, in the church of Jesus Christ in America. And Father, I pray this message will help identify some of what's going on, what your focus is, and what you want us to return to. I know we're guilty of it here. I'm guilty of this. And Father, I want it to stop. I want something to change in my life going forward. And God, I want to see what you're doing through the times that we're living in, Lord, and how you want to do some stripping in your church, some correcting in your church, and you want to bring something back to your church that is so vital and so missing, God, that we don't even see it. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts today and change our lives through the Word of God. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Amen. Something that Marcy and I talked about when we got quarantined a while back was when we were at home and and, and in a time like we had never been before trying to figure out things and we uh, got thrust into being there and not knowing what was going on in the world or in the nations and not knowing uh, the next step. And we began to read our Bibles <laughs> quickly. There was a lot of change and just began to press in and take that time to seek the Lord. And one thing we said when we get back to church as fast as possible, we knew that we needed to get back to church as quickly as possible. We saw the hand of the enemy in this thing. We saw where the enemy was wanting to keep people apart, to keep people from church, to keep people from gathering together. We knew we wanted to get back together quickly, but one thing we did not want to do was fall back into the trap of doing things the way that we had always done them before. And uh, and, and I'm, I, I kind of am asking myself now, ha- have we kind of done that? Have we kind of come back and just settled back in to the routine of the way things always were before all of this stuff began to happen. And so uh, I want us to think about that today and I want us to keep those things in mind because we've lost something here even before and, and, and still that, and in the houses of God all over in my opinion and especially in the American church and we don't even realize that we've lost that something. And I want to show you with ancient Israel something that took place in Ezekiel and where there was a loss of something and they didn't even realize there was a loss of that something going on. And ever since March, we've been in like a spiritual battle like no other battle that we've ever been in in our entire lives. With COVID-19, we've experienced stuff like we've never experienced in this generation. We have had media manipulation. And if you don't think you're being manipulated by the media, honey, you are wrong. You need to turn that mess off. I don't care if you're a Fox proponent or you are a CNN proponent. It is garbage. And your mind is being manipulated and you are being twisted and Manipulated, and your social media is being twisted and manipulated, and you need to shut the garbage off. Amen. Because it's affecting our society in a very negative way, and it's affecting the church in a very negative way, and it's and it's and and the enemy is behind it, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to divide everything that he can do to divide. He wants to lead us into places we don't need to be led, and we don't need to be go. So that's my little commentary on that. Get into the Word of God, get into truth, and get out of the out of out of what's owned by the enemy now, and 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 it, because it's polluting our minds. It's like this when you tell your young children, "Hey." You go off with friends who are unbelievers. You're not going to change them. They're going to change you. Let me tell you something. The media, you're not going to change the media. The media is changing you. And some of us don't like that because we love it. We love it. We love it too much. And so we've had media manipulation. We've had race riots. We've had anarchy. We've had financial crisis just in the last six months that we've seen in this nation pressure like we've never had before and and, and above all of that is just that's the national crisis but what about the personal things that we've had to face and go through educating our children from home which has never been done on a mass scale like it's been done now working from home and adjusting to that corporations and offices trying to figure out how to do their corporation and and the work from home we've had uh, isolation which has led to Depression and, and our older population, older population, please, 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 please. I know it's confusing. I know it's hard, but man, we are, we are making our older population so fearful. They are afraid of everything now because of the media and because of the news. And we've got people just living in such fear. We've got propaganda. We've got election problems that have been going on and still going on in this nation. If, would you not say we have faced some stuff in this nation over the last six months? And so the question is, what is God's focus in all of this? Because our focus seems to be on all that. Our focus is on, is Biden going to win? Is Trump going to win? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? Are we going to fall apart if this happens? Are we gonna, is our economy going to last if we go this route or if we go that route? And we are so looking at that. What is, so I begin to say, God, what is your focus in all of this? And I believe we see here in a passage of Scripture what God's focus is, and you're going to be surprised, it's not just on Biden and on Trump. That's a secondary focus. Okay? He might be concerned about that and is concerned about that, but there's something far more that he's concerned about and it's his church and it's his people. And he's doing something in all of this to get us where we need to be as a people, especially his remnant. He will have a remnant on the face of the earth in this last hour and he's using all of these circumstances and situations and problems and situations to drive the church back where it needs to be. Amen? The true church. So look at 1 Peter 4 and I want you to look at chapter, uh, verse 16 and I want to read something first before we hit Ezekiel. It says this, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now... When we interpret that scripture, a lot of times we think it means, and I often thought it meant this, and I interpreted it this way and somewhat does, but we often think that that means that when God comes to a society that begins to fall apart and He begins to uh, unleash judgment upon that society, that He always comes and disciplines His church and corrects His church before He does the society. But there's a Puritan writer that I heard and came across. And the Puritan writer wrote something that just opened it up and made it it so much more uh, what I believe the Lord is trying to say. And he said this. He said there's nothing that God does in a nation or in a generation when He brings a season of judgment, a season of plague, or a season of blessing that He doesn't do any of that without His church in His focus and in His mind. He uses everything that we are now experiencing in 2020 and everything that we are going through that He might be able to birth something inside His church. And that's what this Puritan, other than say in 2020, that's what this Puritan writer began to tell us that that's what that verse means. That his focus is not secondary to the election and secondary to the virus and secondary to all of these things. God is trying to bring about something in you and me. He's trying to bring about something inside of our lives. And when we look at Ezekiel and when we look at ancient Israel and we begin to look at what was going on in this group of people, I think we can see some parallels, and I think we can see some things that will help us today to understand what was going on then might be going on today in us as well. And so here, he wants to advance his church, and that's what he's doing here. So he comes in Ezekiel, the Bible tells us, and they're about to come under judgment because they are uh, they are losing, they, have, uh, they are uh, going through their religious services, just like we go through our religious services, and they are giving religious sacrifices bringing those to the temple at that time where they worship God and the Bible says that they have they have something has happened to them and now they have given way to idolatry now in their services is not only devotion to Jehovah but now Daniel they have come and they are absolutely offering also sacrifices to other gods there is idolatry that is going on inside of these worship services now and it's taking place and so they weren't willing willing to surrender their entire lives to the Lord. They weren't willing to give everything to God at this time. And so God brings Ezekiel to a very scary vision in the word of God. He takes him to a vision and he brings him to a place where the Bible tells us you probably read it in Ezekiel 1 where he brings this chariot and it's really this weird-looking scene if you've ever read it. Very, I don't know, my mind tries to figure it all out and I can't figure it out. It's just it's just it's just and there is this throne there and man it's just this massive throne and this massive chariot that's moving and somehow these angels are connected to this chariot these cherubim are there the Bible says and they are there with their wings and they are there with this wheel inside of a wheel that's on this chariot and they're somehow connected to that and when they move up the chariot moves up and when they move this way the chariot and the throne moves this way and God's throne is just moving on the, uh, uh, as they move. And that's the picture we come to in this place. But that's not the scary part of the picture. The scary part of the picture is not that the, te- the, the, the chariot and the cherubim comes and sets itself over the temple where, these idolatry, where this idolatry and these religious services are happening. The scary part is how the people respond to that. Look at Ezekiel 10 and the 18th. Verse. If I get loud, I'm not yelling at you. I just get passionate about God's word. Amen. Amen. And I love it. And so you can stand or you can sit. Just uh, the, just reverence God's word. Here's what it says It says, Then the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. And while I watched, the cherubim spread their wings and rose from the ground. And as they went, the wheels went with them. They stopped at the entrance of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel was above them. You can be seated. And the the scariest part is when this chariot comes, they don't even notice that the manifest presence of God leaves them see they've been sinning and it's God it's sin that has caused the presence of God to leave and yet when the presence of God leaves they continue on having church just like normal they continue to bring their sacrifices just like normal and they don't even understand or realize that they're doing church without God that they're having services without God that they're doing ministry without God and that's the scariest part about this is they are blind to this uh, to their own fleshly pursuits, and they just keep going through the motion. There's not this deeper union with God. There's not this pressing in to God. There's not this ca- pressing in to know God that's going on here. They are just comfortable in their religion. They're comfortable in their materialism, and it's about their own agendas and not about the agendas of God. That's what it's all about. It's kind of like Samson, and, and listen, here's, here's it's possible for God's people to lose the Lord's presence and not even know it. That ought to scare you. And if you want to go read about men who lose the presence of God, read about men like Saul. And I'm going to tell you what, when Nathan came to to David and David had sinned, David, all of a sudden, I know what's going through David's mind. Because when Nathan the prophet pointed that finger... Because he's sweating bullets when he hears the prophet's there to begin with. He thinks he's gotten away with sin. And all of a sudden he hears Nathan wants to see him. And he's sweating bullets probably for a few minutes. Oh no, am I going to be found out? Oh no, does he know? And then all of a sudden he comes in and he starts telling this story about a man who has had some sheep. And, 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 and he's a rich man and he has all kinds of sheep and there's another... And he says, whoo, hallelujah, he's not talking about me. And he begins to turn his focus to this man... Who who comes with all these sheep and he wants to have a banquet and this other man has one little sheep and it's the family pet and he says he takes that sheep knowing he has his own sheep he could kill and eat and David says, that man's a scoundrel. you ought to, he ought to pay back fourfold. And Nathan turns and he says, you're that man, David. And I believe David is paralyzed because he saw a man who lost the presence of God. He he saw a man named Saul literally go mad. He saw a man named Saul get angry and, and throw javelins at him. He saw a man that went from having the presence of God on him and prophesying at times to going just insane and going and seeking out the witch of Endor and all kinds of other things. And so David knows what it's like. And David begins to pen things like in Psalms 51. Dear God, oh Lord, forgive me of my sin. God, renew a right spirit. Within me, Oh God, cast me not away from thy presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right and steadfast spirit in me. Because he knew what happens when the Spirit of the Lord leaves somebody and when they're there without the presence of Almighty God. And he knew what it was like when you have the presence of God. I mean, you can look at Abraham. Everybody knew, the heathen around knew that when the presence of the Lord was on Abraham, he was blessed. Abimelech knew it. He said, don't tell me that your wife is not your wife and she's your sister. Are you trying to bring a curse on me? There's something different about you, brother. you got the presence of the Lord with you and the presence of the Lord is there. Then mighty things happen and it empowers you to do great things. So when the presence of God is with us, great things happen. But when the presence of God departs, terrible things happen. Amen. Samson is a great example. What happened to Samson? Samson had the presence of the Lord and all of a sudden Samson one day after he's been sinning and doing things that he shouldn't do and finally crosses the line. What does Samson do? He takes the presence of God for granted. He says, I'll do like I've always done and I will rise up and I will go defeat the Philistines. And when he gets up this time and shakes himself and goes out to destroy the Philistines, they take him because the presence of the Lord has departed from him. Listen to what it says in Judges 6. 16:20 Then she called Samson the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from sleep and thought, I'll go out as I have always done before and shake myself free, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. Wow. And folks, let me tell you something. We have gotten so good at doing church in America And we can operate without the presence of God better than anybody in the world. And something happened here years ago when we began to start planning and scheming and strategizing and think that we can save souls with these methods. We can put lights on the stage and make it look like a disco so that the world will love it. And we can draw them in with our music. And we can have the best greeters in the world. And we can train our parking people to operate just like this and just like that. And we can get the coolest children's pastor. And we can put them up there and woo the kids and get the greatest things in the world. And come down with little suits on and entertain them. And we can have our food trucks in the parking lot after the services. So that we can make all the people happy and bring more people in. We can have two or three or four services so that we can accommodate all the people because the gurus tell you that if you have them where you can accommodate all the time, then the early sleepers who don't want to get up, they'll come to the later services and the later sleepers, the earlier people will come to the earlier speakers' services. So if you want to increase your numbers, you got to have more church services so that you can bring more people in and we think these things will save souls. We get a pastor with a few, youth pastor with a few tattoos so that they can be relevant and and get along with the kids. And get into groups. What's your hobby? Oh, I like this. Oh, I like that. And all the while doing church and the presence of God is no longer there. Having great services. Oh, we think they're great services. We're entertaining them nonetheless. We're doing our thing. But people go out of the doors just like they came in the doors. Let me ask you this question. Is the presence of God really important to you now? No, really. I want you to stop and think about that question for a few moments. Is the presence of God for a believer today Is it really you in this room? Did you come here for the presence of God? Is it really to come and find more of God? Is it really to seek the Lord? Is it really to know Him and to have more of Him? Can you live without the presence of God? Because I remember Moses coming to a place where, the, the, where the, the children of Israel got to such a place that God said, I'm done. You take them on in, but I'm not going with them. I'll send an angel before you because I love my people, but I'm not going. And, God, and if you'll remember what Moses said, Moses said, I'm not going up from this place unless your presence goes with me. I'm not going. I'd rather stay out in the middle of a desert. I'd rather stay in dry dead. Uh, I'd rather stay here or there. But I'm not going up unless you go up with me. Amen? So is the presence of God important or have we figured out ways to have church without it and still be satisfied? And I'm afraid the latter is true of most of us. And I'm talking to myself included. I'm talking have we learned to come to church and leave God completely out of the picture? Ezekiel has another vision of a temple. And this is what begins to happen in chapter 40-48. through He has this vision of a second temple. And the temple is massive, the Bible tells us. And it's, it's twice the size of Judah's landmass. It is huge. And the Bible tells us that there's a river coming out of the east gate and the doorway. And as that river goes out, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And everywhere that it goes and it flows, it flows into marshy places, it flows into salt pits, and everywhere that this river goes, and everywhere, Taylor, that this river touches. It brings healing. It brings healing to the nations. It brings healing and it brings life. And there's fishermen on the banks and they're fishing and there's such life flowing out of this temple and out of this place. And Ezekiel sees this wonderful, wonderful vision where the presence and the power of the Lord is in that temple. And it's a place, and I want you to view it. There's all kind of commentary you'll read, and man, you're going to read your mind to death. So, With this people, this is a literal temple. This is not a literal temple. This is this, that. This is in the millennial. This is there. But here's how I want you to view it today. I want you to view it as a spiritual temple, and I want you to view it that we have been born again through a heavenly Jerusalem and a new temple, and the Spirit of God, through His death, burial, and resurrection, was poured out on all of us, and we became the temple of God, a people from every tribe, every tongue, every language, every nation coming together with the presence of God in our lives, moving and ushering out like they did in the book of Acts with the power and presence of God and healing for all the nations. Amen? Listen to what he says about this temple in Ezekiel 44. He says, Then a man brought me by the way to the north gate of the front of the temple. And I looked and I saw the glory of the Lord filling the temple of the Lord. And I fell face down. We have one temple that he sees at the beginning, and the glory of the Lord is being taken out. And we have another temple that he brings him back to another vision. And we have the glory of the Lord filling the temple. He falls down on his face. Look at what verse 35 of chapter 48 says. And the distance all around was 18 Cupid's and the name of that city from that time on will be the Lord is there the Lord is in that place The Lord is there. This is not just for the nation of Israel, but this is for the church. I believe the remnant church. Yes, I know what's going to happen in the future, but I don't limit it to just the future. God wants a remnant people in this last day who are filled with the presence and the power of Almighty God from every tongue, tribe, nation, and language moving out in the power and presence of God and making a difference in this world. Amen? And I want you to think of all the churches you pass by. And I want you to think of all the ministries that we have today on the internet. Every day we start a new ministry in America. I mean, every day there's more ministries. Ministries here and ministries there. And yet, how many breakthroughs are we actually seeing through these ministries? I mean, honestly. I've never seen a time when the church is doing so much and yet having so little effect. And here's the reason why ministry doesn't deliver people. The presence of God delivers people. You want to know why our sons and daughters on those buses are having sex and and, and drugs and rock and roll and everything else? Because we're void of the presence of God. We're powerless to do. We can have all the bus ministries we want without God's presence and we're not going to accomplish anything. We can have all the ministry inside of here. We can have all the deliverance ministries. And we can do all kinds of things. But if we don't have the presence of God, we can meet at Starbucks and do all the Bible studies that we want to do. We can come to ladies' ministry Bible study. We can toss around. We can come to Sunday school. And we can throw around more Bible verses to each other. And we can talk more Bible and do this and do that. But if we don't have the presence of God, nothing is going to be accomplished. Amen. Paul said, I came to Corinth because I got demographics. I I, I went out in the area and looked at the demographics of the people. We knocked on doors and we asked people what they wanted in churches and we looked around at the demographics and the location in the area and I went to Asia because I knew that demographic and that area would bring the most salvations. No, that's not what Paul said. Paul said, I went to Corinth because the love of Christ was inside of me and the presence of God compelled me to go to that place and to preach the Gospel of Jesus Christ and to carry the presence of God into that location and that area. Amen? And that's what God wants today. That's what He wants today. A people carrying the presence of God Everywhere they go. Into different places. Making a difference in the world. And I believe that's what's going on today with what's happening with shutting down of everything that's going on. God wants to strip these things from His church. He wants to strip everything and He wants to establish His Ezekiel temple again because the lights and the smoke and the mirrors cannot fight against this. Only the manifest presence of God can bring salvation back. Only the manifest presence of God can bring deliverance back only the manifestation and the presence of God can bring healings back to blind eyes and deaf ears and lame legs and broken hearts it's only the presence of God the manifest presence of God that can do this and we need to cry out and say dear God send your presence back to your church because I don't want to do it anymore if you're not here amen I don't I don't I want the real thing now. I want what I read about in the book of Acts. I want what I see in my Savior, my Christ. I want to see change. I, I want to go to people like the people I've gone to the last few days and I go into their places and they're broken and they're mentally ill and they've got issues and problems and I stand there powerless against it. And I know it's the presence of God. Now I see if the presence of God is what makes the difference. It's not me reading enough, praying enough, studying enough, preaching loud enough and screaming. It's the presence of God. Dear God, walk with me into these homes. Dear God, walk with me when I lay hands on the sick and you make them recover. Dear God, I don't want to go anywhere without your presence and anointing and power. I don't want to do church activities and church ministries where you're not even there. I don't want to pretend you're there and think you're there when you're not even there. Give me eyes to see the foolishness of this thing and that your presence has departed in many cases from our lives. Dear God, sin your fire and your presence back down on us again. And God, use COVID. Strip us. Strip us. Use the shutdown. Strip us of our foolishness. And let us cause us to come back and cry out to you, God, we don't want to do it without your presence again. And so the Ezekiel church, lastly, is only led by an interesting group of priests. You'll find where Eli and all through the Word of God were just like the church or the people of Israel took a wrong turn. You'll see where the priesthood did as well and became fleshly. And God says in this last group of people that I really want to minister through, I have a certain type of priest that's going to minister to me in my house. And it's called the Zadok priesthood. And I don't know if you've ever studied Zadok, but Zadok was a. There was two. If you study out David, there was two priesthood that were there. Abiathar and there was Zadok. But Zadok stood out above all of them. And if you go back to Eli, you'll see that the Levitical priesthood, and out of them came another came Le, uh, the Zadok priesthood. And you'll see how this formed because of some stuff that went on. And so this old Levitical priesthood system that you're going to see as I. Read the scripture. They served others, but there was something special about the Zadok priesthood. They served the Lord. Yeah. Listen to what he says. Verse chapter 12. He says, But because they served them, or excuse me, Ezekiel 44, verse 10. And it says, The Levites who went far from me when Israel went astray and who wandered from me after their idols must bear the consequences of their sin they may serve in my sanctuary it's funny he leaves them in his house this is really really kind of is amazing to me they may serve me in my sanctuary having charge of the gates of the temple and serving in it they may slaughter the burnt offerings and the sacrifices for the people and stand before the people and serve them who are they serving the people They're serving the people. Now listen to what he goes on. He says, but because they serve them in the presence of their idols and made the people of Israel fall into sin therefore I've sworn with uplifted hand that they must bear the consequences of their sin declares the sovereign Lord they are not to come near to serve me as priest or come near any of my holy things or my most holy offerings they must bear the shame of their detestable practices and I will appoint them look he leaves them in there I will appoint them to guard the temple for all the work that is to be done in it but the Levitical priests who are descendants of Zadok who guarded my sanctuary when Israel went astray from me. In other words they knew the holy from the profane. They didn't give in to the profane practices that everybody else was doing. They weren't involved in the idolatry sacrifices that the other priesthood and everybody went out. out else went, went out in. And he said who are descendants of Zadok who guarded my sanctuary when the Israelites went astray from me and they Come near to minister to who? Before me. They're not just ministering to everybody else. These priests minister to me. They are to stand before Me, verse 15, and to offer sacrifices of fat and blood, declares the Sovereign Lord. They alone are to enter into My sanctuary. They alone are to come near My table to minister before Me and to serve Me as guards. The old priesthood came to serve the people and will not serve Him The new, he says, he describes a new temple priest that they will carry my presence and they will come into my presence and they will serve me. They will, what a novelty if we came in these doors and rather than serving all of us coffee and all the other things that we do and we are serving the community and those are wonderful things. We're to go out. The Bible tells us about serving the poor and doing all of these other things. But let me tell you where the first devotion lies. Well, let me tell you where the first praise goes. Let me tell you where the first worship ought to go. Let me tell you where the first devotion ought to go. And God is looking for a new priesthood who will come in His sanctuary and will minister before him. Yes, him. Him. That will minister unto him. Who was Zadok? Real quick, they served. Zadok served in the time of David. He was he was someone who served David, who is a type of Christ. David was reigning on the throne. David comes and joins him at Ziklag with a lot of other mighty men that are there, and they are ministering and serving. And Zadok was so loyal to David. I mean, he was so loyal to David. He was faithful to David. He was strong. He was committed to David. He followed David when David stayed there. He followed David when David was in the palace. He followed David when David went into the wilderness. He followed David everywhere this Christ type went. He was there. He was ministering and he was serving to the needs of David. And folks that's the one thing that set this uh, this guy apart and that set this priesthood to his descendants, his spiritual descendants was that the presence of God was with them and it said they will draw near to me and minister to me. That's what set this priesthood apart. They draw near to me and they minister unto me. Except we are so busy drawing near to everybody else and ministering to everybody else. Amen? Amen? Come on. And God desires that a last day remnant, first and foremost... Minister to the Lord. And here's, you say, well, okay, the priesthood will do that. No, I got good news for you. You are that priesthood. I got good news. You're the priesthood. Listen to what the Word of God says in Revelation 1 6. And He has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve His God and His Father. To Him be glory and power forever and forever. Revelation 5.10 You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve who? Our God. And they will reign on the earth. 1 Peter 2, listen to what he says. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And here's what you are to do as priests. You do what the other priests did. They offered sacrifices morning and they offered sacrifices at night. And he said, you are a holy priesthood offering now spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Christ. What does that look like? It looks like you waking up in the morning and before you grab this. And before you do this, you come and you minister before the Lord like the priest did. And you offer up spiritual sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving. And let me tell you, when you go into the presence of the Lord, first thing, and you go in there and you say, Dear God, I love You. I honor You. I worship You. I thank You for another day of good health. I thank You, God, for my family. I thank You, God, for this house. God, I thank You for my salvation. You are not just flapping your gums in the air. Those are not words just beating onto the ceiling and falling to the floor. God says, this delights my heart. You are now ministering to me. You're ministering to Him. You almost act like you believe it with the resistance I feel, but you are ministering to God. When you do this, if you'll just do this tomorrow, if you'll just get out of self and begin to go into the presence of God and offer to Him first the ministry of sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise, if you'll go through your prayer list and intercede for the people on the prayer list, dear God, help the persecuted church. Dear God, help Brother Crowder, our missionary who's been in the hospital, dear God. Dear God, I pray for the needs in our church. Dear God, I pray for our elderly who are afraid right now. Dear Father, I pray for Catherine Story who's in a nursing home. She's alone. She can have no visitors. She's afraid. Dear God, we go before... I pray for Doru. I pray, God, for Niku. I pray for our missionaries around the world. I pray for this one and I pray for that one. Oh, God, when we begin to go before Him with our prayer list and we begin to intercede, folks, I'm telling you something. We are ministering unto God like the Zadok priesthood. Amen. One person, patty cake. One person believes it. Amen. And we offer sacrifices of confession and repentance. We don't wait till we come to church to repent. We offer up a sacrifice in that room. God, yesterday my mouth got me in trouble. Yesterday I went in and the mask made me mad and I popped off at somebody. And God, forgive me. God, help me to be Christ-honoring. God, help me to honor You. God, the election made me angry. Help me to honor You, God. Help me. Forgive me. Help me to have self-control. And we go before the Lord and we minister to Him first. And these are not just religious rituals. No. You are ministering to me, God says. And folks, we're to leave the old system and we are to enter in the new where God dwells in this place and His presence dwells and we minister to him and here's the final and last point you can get something maybe like clear the stage or some song whatever you want to get but here here's my final point it's going to take more than one of us doing this to seek revival and to see a change We're all to go home and we're to do this tomorrow and the next day. We're to minister unto the Lord. But when we come in, He wants a Zadok congregation. We do it individually in our own lives, but then He wants to come and manifest it in this house when we all come together and we've been ministering to the Lord all week that things begin to happen in this place when we come together, folks. And that's what's taking place now. Let Him strip you of the busyness of church. Let Him strip you of the busyness of life. Let Him strip you of the chaos and your own plans and your own thinking and your own ideas and everything. Our big budgets, our, our PowerPoints that don't work sometimes now. Let Him strip all these fancy buildings. And votes, because I can tell you there are going to be a lot shutting down in the days ahead. Let Him strip these things. And if we have to have church in a field, if we have to have church in a house, if we have to have church in a living room, as long as your presence is there, we will have church. Amen. Hallelujah. So here's what I'm calling you to. Here's what happened when the children of Israel, when He said if your presence doesn't go, I don't want you to go. I don't want to go. The condition for God's presence is this. See, here's what happened. When they quit seeking God's presence, They erected a golden calf. Other things entered in. They stopped going to the Word of God. They stopped listening to the Word of God. They stopped being in the presence of God. Idolatry. Entered in just like in Ezekiel's day. And now they're worshiping and erecting golden calves. They're dancing around golden calves. That's The presence is gone. They don't even know it's gone. And they're there. And so here they are. Moses is, is there. And Moses does something very, very interesting. He erects a temple. I mean, I, 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 but before the tabernacle, he erects a tent outside of the camp. And here's what I want you to start doing in your own life if you want to be a Zadok priesthood. Part of it. He erected this tent outside of the camp. And He put it far outside of the camp. And He did that for a very good reason. Because when they came through the Red Sea they promised, oh Lord, you've done such great things. We're going to make a habitation in our heart. We want your presence in our life. We see what the presence of God does. We don't ever want you to not be with us. Isn't that what we did at Salvation? Oh God, thank you. You took pornography out of my life. You took drinking out of my life. You did all these wonderful things. I'm making a home for you. I'm making a habitation for you in my heart. You will dwell here all the time. Your presence Presence will be with me. But after a little bit of a period of time, I push out the presence of God. I no longer seek the presence of God. There's no room for the presence of God or the Word of God in my life. And other things begin to come into my heart. And so Moses put this tent outside of the camp. And the Bible says that when he put this tent outside the camp, people would go to it. And he, in particular, would go. And the Bible says he would leave everything in the camp family, everything that the camp distracted him from, he left. And it's a type of the prayer closet. And he came to the tent. And the Bible says that when Moses sought the Lord outside of all of those things and came back to the tent, the Bible says that a cloudy pillar came over the tent there and God spoke with Moses in the door of the tent. The presence of God. The presence of God came to Moses. And I'm begging you, church, I'm begging me, Brad, seek the presence of God. We've lost the presence of God. We've lost it. We've lost it. We don't see things like they saw years ago in American revivals. We don't see it in the house of God. We don't see these things. We don't have prayer warriors. We don't pray through. We don't have intercession. We sit at home in front of our televisions and our devices void of the presence of God. We don't see deliverances of drug houses. We don't see. We see more crime in our street. And the, the church has little or no control over it in the world today. We need the presence of God again. Dear God bring back your presence to us again. Dear God start with the preachers. Dear God start with me. We've been void of your presence God. We've allowed sin into our camp. We've allowed sin into our lives God. Like Eli we've turned a blind eye to sin in the house. we produce strange children and strange fire God. We have turned our head to the immorality that goes on inside of the house of God. We haven't preached against it. We haven't called it out. And God, like Ezekiel, I don't know, but maybe your chariot has come above many of the houses of God in this nation and we don't even recognize. We continue to go through our motions of coming here every Sunday and every Wednesday night, God, and doing our thing. But God, I want You to be here. If Your presence does not go up from here, I don't want to go anymore, God. I don't want to preach anymore. God, I don't want to sing anymore. I don't want to do anymore, God. If You don't come and You don't invade us with Your presence, God. If You don't come, God. Let Your presence come, God. I'm tired of playing games, God. I'm tired of playing games in Your house. I'm tired of the mental addiction. I'm tired of the demonic, just just filth in our children. I'm, I'm tired of the baptism of filth in our homes. And we're powerless to stop it and powerless to do anything against it. Oh God, bring Your presence back to us. Bring Your presence back to the house of God. Bring Your presence back to the churches in America. Bring Your presence back to this temple right here, dear God. Let Your priests weep between the porch and the altar, dear God. Don't let us slaughter babies anymore in the name of convenience and birth control. God, on the altars, God, don't let us do that anymore, dear God. Help us, God, not on our watch. Don't let us confuse our children any longer with gender confusion, God. They don't know if they're boys or if they're girls anymore, dear God. Help us and we sit powerless, God. We sit powerless. We preach and we yell and we scream and we sing. And God, nothing happens. Dear God, bring your presence back to your people again.